questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Most people think that those under the spotlight of fame are usually under the spell of some controlling mechanism, whether it be Hollywood, the media, or even sports. But that is not the case for a number of people. There are those who express their views anonymously and contradict that of those on top of their industries. They toy the party line in order to remain relevant and, in essence, to keep their paycheck coming. There are others, however, who are not afraid to admit their critical thinkers and stay away from the dogma inculcated to them from childhood by the educational system, religion, or simply family traditions. Greetings. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas of Veritas Radio. Tonight, we have one of those rare people who want to wake up humanity. And here's tonight's special guest. His name is Eddie Bravo, a jiu-jitsu black belt champion, an instructor, musician, author, and former UFC analyst. He's the founder of 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, and his website is 10thplanetjj.com. And he joins us directly from the city of Angels, Los Angeles, California. Hello, Eddie Bravo, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Um, thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? My pleasure. Doing very well, and I'm very excited to have you on because I I saw your podcast with Joe Rogan and Alex Jones, and I, and I have to say, I, I saw a few others of yours, and you have a lot of longitude and latitude in the things that you research, and I thought, this will be a non-traditional show. And by the way, I could have continued reading a lot from your bio, but I cringed when I saw your bio at Wikipedia. Uh, they properly mention your, your accomplishment, but it also says, Eddie Bravo, a known, quote-unquote, conspiracy theorist, part of the 9-11 truth movement, publicly raising questions about the September 11th attacks, usually mentioning the World Trade Center Building 7 collapse. Bravo subscribed to the idea that governments have sprayed chemtrails on unknown civilians. They say this so they can box you in and define you so you have to defend yourself. But we know better here, Eddie. Tell us more about yourself. Well, first and foremost, now I grew up making music, producing music, uh, playing drums in bands, playing guitar, uh, doing a little singing. Um, grew up in a very poor part of Orange County, uh, Santa Ana, California. That's where uh, uh, they put all the Mexicans that cut the grass. My grandfather, uh, he cut grass to support 10 kids. My mother was one of his kids. Uh, she wanted to be a singer. She had uh, these big dreams of being a singer. So I guess that kind of rubbed off on me. Um, I, I've been about music, um, you know, my whole life and moved to Hollywood at 21 to pursue my rock star dreams. Um, I got into martial arts because I, want, you know, I wanted to stay in shape, and I was always a big, gigantic Bruce Lee fan, so started doing uh, karate, only because kung fu wasn't you know, near my house, so I started doing karate, and then I, I, I saw the UFC and immediately started doing jiu-jitsu and got obsessed with jiu-jitsu. It was, a, it, was a per, it was the best way to stay in shape, so I wouldn't be that overweight uh, beer belly rock star on stage i was like what i was trying not to be i, I was super convinced that uh, i was sure i was going to make it in the music business there was no doubt in my mind and uh, jiu-jitsu was just you know to, to keep me in shape and then you know i got obsessed with this started competing and then um in 2003 i beat uh, hoyla gracie 
uh, at the World Championships in Brazil, and that kind of, you know, it, it turned me into this sports uh, figure. You know, when um, you know my family, they never saw me as a sports star or anything. They saw me as some guy moving to Hollywood trying to be a rock star. You know, when my my parents would see me for Christmas or for Thanksgiving, it was always about the music, like. How's the music? Is it, you know, is there a new demo tape? It was never about jujitsu or anything, you know, but all of a sudden I'm 33 years old and, and the world knows me as this jujitsu sports guy. And it was weird. You know, my people I grew up with, they, they were confused. They're like, what? You can't fight. <laughs> You're a pussy. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how this happened. You know, I just really liked jujitsu and I beat Hoyler Gracie and there you go. Boom. All of a sudden, um, you know, but, I was trying to tell everybody from day one, I'm like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a music producer. You know, I'm, I'm making music. I, I'm in bands. I produce bands. Uh, but no one wanted to hear that. They wanted just, they just wanted to hear me talk about jujitsu. It's kind of weird. It was like a double-edged sword. It's like all of a sudden I get this fame. But you know, anybody that's in, known for sports, uh, nobody wants to hear their music. Like n- nobody wants to hear a sports star's music. So it's kind of a weird thing. I kind of like, I kind of like killed. Uh, a lot of um, um, chances I had in the music business because of what I did in jiu-jitsu. You know, who knows? Maybe my music just sucks and I wouldn't have made it anyway. But <laughs> regardless, regardless, uh, um, I uh, started teaching jiu-jitsu and started opening up different schools. And, you know, in the meantime, I've, I've always been a conspiracy theorist and it, and it started as a kid when um, I was brought up in a Catholic family and the whole neighborhood, basically the whole city, it was just filled with Mexican Catholics. So I thought everybody was Catholic. I, I thought there was just one religion. At school, there was this one white guy that was Jehovah's Witness and there was a Protestant guy. I, it was, to me, they were like in a cult or something. I was like, what's wrong with these guys? <laughs> right. I thought everybody was Catholic. You know, when you watch TV, there's Christmas specials on different strokes and there's Halloween specials on family. T- uh, family ties or whatever those shows are. So I thought everybody was on the same page. And then at 11 or 12, I, I find out that there's all these different religions, Jews and Muslims and, and uh, Hindu and all. And I thought, wait a minute, how do we know we're right? I, I, it was like, it was like a shocker to find out that we all didn't believe in the same religion and everyone believed different things. So I became atheist right away. I just thought, okay, we've been tricked. You know, uh, this is all brainwashed. And I was just this little rebel kid right from the start. And then I got really into, started playing drums and got into uh, music like Slayer and Metallica, started writing satanic lyrics. Not that I was Satanist and not that I thought Slayer were Satanist. I thought, okay, we all don't believe in God or the devil, but we're just trying to scare Christians and write satanic music so that's that's what we're doing we we all no one thought anybody was really into satan we all thought okay we're we're like uh filmmakers into making movies like the exorcist and like demonic movies you know but the director of the exorcist or the writer he no one thinks of him as a satanist but anyways so i got into that and then when i was 15 there was this 2020 show uh abc 2020 on uh satanism in music and, you know, we were in the Slayer and the real hardcore stuff in 2020. They were talking about Twisted Sister and Judas Priest being satanic. And as a real fan of, of speed metal and, and, you know, I was, I thought, wow, this is Channel 7 and they got it totally wrong. They're like, 
first of all, they're saying if your so, if your kids listen to Dio or Black uh, Sabbath Motley, or, or Motley Crue, uh, they're satanic. Yeah. And I'm like, what? So right away I, at 15, I'm like, okay, we can't trust what we see on on TV because they got it totally wrong, and uh, um, they're going after the wrong bands. And even if they were going after Slayer and bands like that, we, we, they would be wrong in my eyes, anyways, because I knew those guys. I ended up, like they're just regular guys just trying to write scary lyrics. No one's actually worshiping Satan in these bands. In these, bands. so um, right away, you know, my my uh, um, after uh, after I I um, got sick of writing satanic lyrics at sixteen or sixteen. I'm losing you, Eddie. And right there, it was just a, it was a conspiracy theory type band. We were against the government. We were against uh, you know nuclear war and nuclear bombs back when I believed that they were real. And, uh, you know, so from, I didn't know anything about the government. You know, I just knew that I couldn't believe them. I can't, I can't believe authority, but I didn't have any information. There was no internet or anything. So, um, <clears throat> that's, you know, from, so, and then in my twenties, um, I got really into uh, vitamins of all things and nutrition and the, the conspiracy theories going on with like big pharma yeah. and, and all that stuff. Then. Um, I learned in my twenties, I was really into that and how the, you know, governments, it's not in their best interest to, to push vitamins, like natural remedies, you know, they were trying to push pharmaceuticals. So I got really into that. I was like into, you know, against big pharma. And then a uh, little by little, man, little, I, I, uh, just, I just started one. There's so many, cons- there's so many ways the government can fuck you that I just one by one, you start going through all of them. And then, <clears throat> Got into jujitsu when I was like a purple belt in jujitsu. I was a full, I was full blown conspiracy theorist. There's, I'm like 28 at the time. I actually made this, this, and I, and I was an activist trying to turn people on at my jujitsu school into conspiracy theories. And I made this documentary, um, which was, uh, it was like a mixtape documentary. It had six or seven of the best documentaries I could find. And I put them all on one eight-hour VHS tape, and I called it Brain Dirt. <laughs> you know, it's like wow. the opposite of brainwash. It's like brain dirt. <laughs> and, I, and I took the – I would make these tapes on my VCR. I, I, it was an eight-hour VHS tape with like, you know, six or seven documentaries, like UFO documentaries. Um, man, just like – I forget. I gotta, I'd have to sit down and, and try to remember which documentaries exactly they were. But uh, – and then um, – then, in 98, around the same time, I, um, oh, one of the documentaries was, uh, the emperor of hemp, which, you know, goes into the whole, the emperor uh, has no clothes. Thing. Yeah. 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 But, 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 but there was a video called the emperor of hemp and it was about Jack Herrera who wrote the emperor wants no clothes, but the actual documentary was called the emperor of hemp. And that documentary, once you watch that documentary, you're going to want to smoke weed. There's no way you like I, had, <laughs> I I would show people who were totally against we that documentary and after the documentary was over, uh, they would go okay where's the bong let's do it <laughs> so so um you know the, you know there's the cannabis and the whole reefer madness propaganda uh, conspiracy theory then there's like you know there's just so many and then you get into the JFK and then Iran Contra and then you know even like World War Two and and uh, you know how. Prescott Bush was involved with financing the Nazis and you get into all, they're just, it's endless. It's just, there's just so much. And, um, man, 
there's just it just goes you just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and uh here we are i'm still going deep still finding out new things i'm gonna send you a little audio that uh, somebody extracted from a an interview i did with uh, a great philosopher with the name of neil kramer he calls it the the stairway stairway of this or staircase of disbelief and that's exactly what happened to you. I was also raised a Catholic. I was an altar boy for 10 years. I thought that was it. Any other person's God was not the same God. And I'm thinking, oh, what is this all about? And then the transition, very similar to yours. But, you know, judging by the name of your organization, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, is there a correlation with that and Zachariah Sitchin's work and, and Nibiru? Oh, absolutely. I used to be really into the Karsichin and that whole ancient Sumerian text and uh, Nibiru and and uh, um, oh, I was way into that, you know. Not so much anymore, but you know, it's it's like mythology. But um, yeah, that it, the whole ten planet system is, you know, that's where it comes from. That's where the name comes from. Yeah, when I went to your website, I thought, 10th Planet, what is he trying to say? And then I saw yeah. that you had the Nibiru Forum, and I'm thinking, wow, he's all over the place with this. Do you talk about these subjects? You know, I, I presume you're students. You're a martial artist. They respect you. They look up to you. Do you talk about these subjects with your students? And if so, how do they react? Oh, yeah, that's that's what, oh, yeah, mo most of my students are probably, I would say 80% of them are pro-conspiracy theorists and maybe 20% aren't. I would say most of them are. Um, and, you know, I, I always talk about it, you know. And, um, you know, it, it was, I would say about, I don't know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, Joe Rogan brings, uh, he's trying to, he brings up, and I told the story before on my podcast, But uh, for your listeners, he, he brought up, like, he was trying to explain how dumb people are these days. He goes, dude, people are fucking dumb. I mean, there's people that believe the earth is flat and the sun is 3,000 miles away and we're in the earth is 6,000 years old or whatever. And I would just think, when he would say that, I would just think, wow, like, really? There's people that still believe that? What are they, Amish or something? <laughs> like, I'm thinking, like, that's the most, and, and this is like a year and a half ago, two years ago, something like that. I, I can't remember exactly, but it was on his show. And then, um, uh, uh, several shows later, he brings it up again. He goes, dude, there's people that think the earth is flat. And I thought, man, that's gotta be some kind of CIA psyop. I mean, it's gotta be some kind of like, uh, like a Scientology type thing just to test people, just to see how dumb people are. That's what I, I thought it was. I was like, wow, I can't believe we're even talking about flat earth. And then you bring up my students. I'm in class. And, um, you know, we're talking conspiracy theories and, and, and my, my, one of my students, Manny, he says to me, he goes, Hey man, did you look up, uh, have you looked into flat earth? And right away when he said that, I thought, man, to myself, I was thinking I could never trust anything this guy ever says again. <laughs> right. And this is like six months ago. And then I told him, I go, dude, that is the dumbest conspiracy theory ever. That's like the, you know, no forest exists. That's what I'm, I was thinking. I'm like, that is, that's gotta be some kind of distraction. I go, and he goes, and he goes, okay, okay. And then, uh, and then, uh, a while later, another student of mine goes, Hey, man, you ever look into flat earth? And I thought, Oh, man, another fucking nutbag here. And I get in a debate with him going back and forth. And he said, Hey, man, I got a, I got a master's in engineering. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. Look into flat earth. So I, you know, then I turn into the debunker 
and I'm like Mr. Debunker here, and I go home, get on the get on the internet, and all I needed to do was just find that picture that was used to be on my iPhone a while back, like as a default setting, it's a picture of the Earth. It's like on my iPhone. I see that shit every day, but now I have a picture of my son. But I'm like, let me just find that picture. One one picture just ends. One picture, just a picture. Here's the picture of Earth from space. Shut up with the flat Earth, please. That's all you need is a picture. But I couldn't find a goddamn picture. Not one that looked legit. And I found out really quick that they're all CGI and composites. And, yeah, CGI composites. And that and NASA admits it. They're not like trying to pretend that they're real. They say one is real, one from nineteen seventy two. From a, taken from the moon missions. I go, wait a minute, that's all taken from the moon mission. That's all fake. Those moon missions didn't happen. So right away I'm thinking, Oh man, I didn't even I I've always been um, convinced that we never went to the moon and that NASA is just, you know, fakery, but I didn't make the connection of, with flat earth and NASA. I didn't realize that most of the information coming from space is coming through government scientists, NASA. So I thought, Oh man, NASA is the one responsible for our space information and they're giving a CGI right away, right there. I thought, okay. There's something to this flat Earth thing, because I mean, if they fake six moon landings, anything's possible. I mean, you know, anybody. First, you to understand flat Earth, you gotta first understand the moon landings. Because if you believe we went to the moon, then there's no way you're gonna you're gonna even understand what flat Earth really is. Uh, people are like that, you know, they think flat Earth, just like me. Me, I'm like, wait a minute, how does the sun go around underneath? It's ridiculous. How, how does the sun? go under and why does the sun set and look at all this, the planets they're round and how, how, how are we flat if they're round and how, you fall off the edge how do you fall what about planes they they go around the, so i had all those same questions everyone has when they first hear flat earth and it's it just sounds ridiculous but once you understand <clears throat> the history of uh what we're on you know the history of how you know it was, it's always, there's always been flat earth maps. Flat earth map is nothing new. There's always been, it's always been a flat earth map. It, they just turned it into a ball. Uh, sometime, you know, you know, during the whole Copernicus era. And it was sometime around, you know, when we discovered or Europe, Europe discovered the Western hemisphere, the new land. So, so for 500 years, we've been going on this, um, theory that we're on a ball spin around in space and we've never before planes before the discovery of electromagnetic energy for all the shit we just said okay we're on a ball spinning around in space and then in the 30s when august picard the astrophysicist goes up to 100,000 feet in a balloon first guy to ever go up 100,000 feet after we just committed to that ball spinning in space he says from 100,000 feet which probably isn't that far up anyways but I mean, but he didn't say he saw any curve. He said he saw a flat disc. He said the Earth appears to be a flat disc with upturned edges. You, you got to take that into consideration. You know, you take that, and then NASA shuts down space. Nobody can just go up in space. And then all our information comes from uh, space information is coming from NASA and the European Space Agency, and all those those pictures that. The Japanese satellite is taking over the Earth from space. I mean, people, t uh, Globers, ballers that are all into it, they won't even use the Japanese footage. They won't use the Japanese pictures of the Earth from space. Because really all it takes is one picture 
of Earth from space. One legit picture of Earth from space shuts down flat Earth immediately, right away, boom, it's over. But you know what? There isn't a picture from Earth from space. So that that's the crazy thing, you know? And I don't, I'm not 100% that it's a flat Earth. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's flat. I don't know if it's round. It's, I, if I had to pick from flat and round, I would pick flat, but really, I don't know. There's no picture of a flat Earth from space so we could see it. Until we find, have a picture, a legit picture of what we're on from space, I don't know. I don't know if it's flat. I don't know if it's round. But you see, you're being, you're being a critical thinker. And this is the part that a lot of people don't understand because I've said it before. I have no attachment to the flat Earth. I have no attachment to the globe, but I have questions. And just like you, so you know that you're not alone, the same thing happened to me. About a year and a half ago, I was flooded with people sending me these. Back then, I was saying these stupid emails. Mel, look into the flat earth. And I was thinking, delete, delete, delete. I'm not even going to spend a minute responding to these people. But then I started getting some of my frequent listeners. You know, some of them are successful people, engineers, attorneys, doctors. And I'm thinking, these people are not dumb. You know, one person even said to me, listen, just watch this one. And it was an Eric Dubay. I had to give credit to Eric Dubay because that was the very first one that I saw. And after I saw that, I said, my goodness. And I started doing my own research. I started looking into all the possibilities and NASA and all the pictures that they have taken. And some people say, yeah, but look at those pictures from the moon. This little blue marble. Well, first of all, if you look at the size of the Earth... It would be impossible to take a picture of the Earth looking like a little blue marble. It would cover the entire camera. And then I started looking at, into NASA and the, the Van Allen belt, and I started looking into it. Did they have gold-plated spacesuits? Was the mom, lunar module you know, boarded with, uh, with gold? And the answer was no, 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 no. Then, you know what? This is impossible. This was a $150 billion hoax against humanity. That's where it was. I mean, when you look at the moon landing, uh, it's, you know, you, you, if, you, if you put NASA or the American government on trial and, you know, if you put NASA and the moon landings are on trial, any detective would have questions about or, or be suspicious about the fact that we're going to investigate the moon landings, but all the evidence is gone. I mean, could that be real? Like all the telemetry data and the, all the raw audio and video footage, uh, the rocket technology that got them there safely six times and back, all that is in the garbage. If that's true, you have to be a complete moron to not be suspicious. All the evidence is gone, and we're still trying to figure out how we're going to get to the moon. Just that alone. When you listen to NASA talk about, oh yeah, we're we're planning on going back to the moon. They just don't know. They just don't know how yet. They got to figure it out. Didn't we do it six times in 1969 (laughs) to 73 or whatever it was? All during the Nixon administration. All during the Vietnam War. Oh come on, no one else has done it, and all. That technology is gone. All the data, all the records are gone. And there's all this footage of, of the astronauts on the moon, like these bloopers where they're falling over and they're clearly on wires and you see them falling and they're being held up by wires. Like, like the worst detective in the world 
would have questions. And by the way, who was there to welcome Neil Armstrong with the camera? You know, if if there was a camera outside of the lunar module, then it probably would have been completely, the, the lens would have been completely full of dust after the lunar module was landing. And by the way, you see no soil disturbance from the from the fire as they're landing there. And here's one thing that somebody brought to my attention the other day, Eddie. He said, someone please explain sand on the moon, where there is absolutely no erosion going on, no atmosphere, no wind, no water, nothing to create powdery, moist dirt. The astronauts' suits are dirty as if they were on moist soil. Those rover tracks, the boot prints on moon sand, impossible if the moon is a solid rock. What do you say? Everything about those moon missions is uh, is just ridiculous. Everything. The footage, the pictures. I mean, just the fact, just the fact that all the data and all the records are gone. They say they're missing or stolen. Just that alone, to me, you didn't go. And no one else has gone? Come on. Nobody went. So once you you got to come to the re- realization of that first. You got to realize that we didn't go to the moon. We faked it six times. And the fact that it's so hard to convince people that we didn't go, that kind of, that's, that's high level brainwash right there. That's high level. Um, anything's possible. You know, uh, uh, if you, if you, you have to understand the flat earth model, you have to understand that flat, the flat earth mo- model was, it was, it's, was the standard for forever. I mean, it's not like this new, flat earth map that someone just made up now it's this new cult there's always been a flat earth map and it's it's always basically been the same from culture to culture and once you understand the history of the flat earth that's that's the number one video you got to watch is eric dubay the history of flat earth he breaks it off at, at you know the best possible way at the very least you watch that with an open mind you're going to have some serious questions of what we're on we don't know what we're on you know, um, the crazy thing about, or one of the crazy things about Flat Earth is, is um, all the people that ridicule it and, and laugh at it, they don't ridicule, you know, the, that announcement that some scientists made that there's evidence that we're in a computer simulation. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 we're in a human, we're in a computer simulation. But then you talk about we might be on a flat plane or a flat disc as opposed to a ball spinning in space, uh, that, that, it's just like the, the, the craziest thing ever. But I was victim, I was a victim of that kind of brainwash as well. Anytime someone brought a flat earth to me, I thought they were just retarded, you know? And, uh, and so when people get, uh, really mad and pissed and call me an idiot or a moron for bringing it up, I understand. I'm not mad at them. I get it. I was right there with them, man. I was right there with them. But, um, you know, once you watch history of flat Earth and you break down the timeline of how it all went down and how we converted from flat Earth to uh, the heliocentric model, the ball theory, you know, I mean, it's, oh, man, we were, you know, conspiracy theorists think uh, flat Earth is the most ridiculous thing, you know, but it, it, it goes right along with all the conspiracy theories. It's like. They're lying to us about this. They're lying to us about that. They're lying to us about this over here. They're lying about it's about everything. It just seems like everything is just a complete. Uh, I mean, the the place we're on. It, it seems like once the new 
this is this is me speculating. This is me just. It seems like uh, when the new hemisphere was discovered, and everybody bolted, and everyone was just like going to the promised land to um, the western hemisphere. Um, get off of wood. Um, it seemed like maybe the people that were ruling, the kings or whatever, thought, you know what, we got we got to stop this from happening. What if they find another? continent man we're just we're we're losing control of the masses um maybe the ball theory was the best way to keep everybody from from uh uh, escaping you know convince everybody we're on a ball and if you try to escape you're just going to go in a circle you're not going anywhere you're contained right here you're insignificant you're a speck in the universe you're not you're not going anywhere You, you mean nothing uh i think that's that's part of building an empire 101 because isn't that when, I mean, isn't that when we, we, we changed to the ball theory is around that time, right? Columbus was part of that. Oh, he thought he was going to India, but then he ended up in, uh, in North America, called them the Indians. Then they realized, oh, it was like something about that Christopher Columbus voyage is what, uh, what set off the whole globe theory. And, uh, that's exactly yeah, right. And, and one, one thing that's crazy is you look at, time-elapsed photography of the sky at night and you see the polaris is directly above the north pole that's stuff we don't need to get verified from some unknown government scientists we could figure out that you look it's on you on youtube you see uh, one motion star star constellations rotating around polaris polaris is above the north pole we know that um and we know the compasses are uh pointing to the north there's some kind of magnetic force in the North Pole. We know that Polaris is above the North Pole. The compass is is saying there's some magnetic force coming from that direction, the North Pole. Um, when you look at the stars, they're doing one motion, but mainstream science says that we're doing at least three motions. The Earth is spinning on its axis. It's spin- at like a thousand miles an hour around um, for, at the equator. Uh, you know, that's what they say. You know, and then we're going around and then we're we're moving around another motion around the sun at I don't know sixty six thousand miles an hour or whatever something they say, and then the sun's moving around the center of the ga- Milky Way galaxy. So that's three motions right there. But when you look at time elapsed photography of the sky, you see one motion: the the stars circling around the constellations, rotating around Polaris. So you're not that's not what you're seeing. You're not seeing three motions. You're seeing one motion. So right there, that to me, that's uh, science that I don't need to take any unknown scientist's word for. That's and that's just there's something wrong right there. Shouldn't you know, we I, shouldn't we see stars in January that we cannot see in July because they would be behind the sun? Yet exactly, we see them. Exactly. It's the same ones. It's the same ones. Yeah, exactly. When you look at the the mainstream model, you have the sun there in the middle, and then you have Mercury and Venus, and then the Earth is the third planet. Uh, and then obviously nighttime on Earth is facing outside of the galaxy. So at nighttime, we're looking at the outside of the galaxy. We're not looking at the other side of the sun. We should see that in six months, but we don't. We see this, we still see Polaris and you see, you see the, the, um, the, the constellations, same ones rotating around Polaris. To me, that just like, that just doesn't make any sense. You know, you mentioned Picard. You mentioned the experiment by by Auguste, Dr. Auguste Picard. This is 1931 Popular Mechanics. How come we don't see 
what he did in any of our science books. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just found out about August Picard. I didn't know who the hell he was. I was just me being on YouTube and going down the rabbit hole. And, you know, you, you look into what he was about. And he went up a hundred. He's before August Picard. Nobody went up that high. So nobody knew. How could anybody know what we're on based on mathematics, based on some stuff that, that's uh, like proven, like, uh, dis- debunked already? Just like, okay, we're looking at a ship in the ocean. We see it sink. Oh, that's got to mean that it's curved. But now we know we just zoom in on it. It, it didn't curve. It just went out of uh, your, it went out of into the vanishing point, went out of your uh, point of perspective. So we know that, but still that's what it was based on, stupid shit like that. And that we, we still hold on to it. You know, um, uh, yeah, if, if you can't, like the people that, uh, I don't know, man, it's just, I don't know what we're on. I don't know. It seems, it seems like we're in some kind of big crater filled with water and it's, and the outside of the crater is, is, um, ice. And I don't know, man. Maybe someone created this whole thing that we're in. Maybe this is like Westworld or something. <laughs> Westworld. Well, have you seen? Have you seen the commercial, the Hennessy commercial depicting what August Picard did? Yes, and then he goes through like the what appears to be the firmament. Exactly. You know? Another, another. Uh, what are we going to call? Not a dimension, but the density. And the same thing happens with submarines that go to a, a certain in the, in, the, in the Mariana trenches. I believe they see a river down there and they try to go through it and they bounce back almost as if there's another level down there but you know speaking of the moon you've heard astronauts and and i've interviewed some of them even the six man who walked in the moon who passed away dr edgar mitchell a couple of years ago but you know they say the reason why we haven't returned to the moon is because of aliens were there and told us not to go back if that's the case how come we were able to go back a few times after the first time. And honestly, I'm going to get attacked by saying this, folks, because you know I discuss a UFO topic here all the time. But what if, what if this is actually the PSYOP? Because people say, oh, flat Earth is a PSYOP. I think questioning those who question the flat Earth is the PSYOP. But what if UFOs and extraterrestrials is another PSYOP to make us believe that space exists and that planets exist and other places. And, you know, this is just to perpetuate. And another reason we haven't been back to the moon, because in 50 years, that should have been commercialized by now. We should have hotels. We should have investments up there. Yet we're told now because of the aliens. Yeah. Um, big, big fan of alien documentaries and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't, I don't, um, and I'm with you. Alien. The more you perpetuate aliens, the more people believe in space. So um, maybe all those uh, declassified alien projects, like uh, what is it, like Project Blue Beam, all those yeah. weird ones that uh, that I used to be way into. Maybe that was just all like part of it. Maybe that's the psyop. Release these declassified documents, but. What if, but we could easily be on a plane and there could be like, we're in like this dish, this, this crater, and there could be a bunch of them all over the place. And maybe aliens are coming from the same plane that we're on, you know, that could be a possibility. Well, I bet I'm now hated by many in the UFO community, uh, research community. I'm yet to see one who is at least looking into the flat earth. And I think the reason for that is 
if they admit and they look into it and they come to the realization that perhaps the earth is actually flat, their cottage industry will go down the drain. Yes, yes. But again, maybe the aliens are coming from um, the same plane. Maybe this plane has endless little craters with continents. Yeah, maybe we're. it just seems like we're in a puddle. We're in a crater. And, and maybe there's a bunch of them. Maybe that's that's what the real alien sightings are. It's just advanced civilizations from other parts of this plane that we're on coming over and passing by going, oh, check them out. They're way behind in technology. It could easily be that. So I'm not I'm not um, throwing well, out uh, aliens altogether at this point. But oh, me neither. I am throwing out aliens coming from like other star constellations and all that. I I. I I'm beginning to believe aliens, if they exist, they're coming from the same plane we're at. They're not coming from those lights in the sky that we see. And look, I have seen lights in the sky. I have seen the Aurora Project with my own eyes, those triangular you know, craft that are probably from our own government. But I have seen lights in the sky, you know, and I cannot explain where they're from. But like Eddie, I think... Perhaps there are other, let's call them puddles. You know, you have yeah. to understand that in 1952, in the 30s, but in 1952, I think it was, or after the war, Admiral Byrd, you've heard about his expeditions. We were supposed to be there for two months. We came back two weeks after. What if he was able to find another puddle with a more advanced civilization that kicked their butts and they said, don't ever come back. In fact, make the military of your puddle surround the ice and don't let anybody go through it yeah it could, that could easily be the case i mean there, there could easily be a lot more land that needs to be discovered you know lately i've been on a north pole kick like really getting into what the north pole is all about and what we know about the north pole and that's super fascinating to me you know for a second there I was thinking, um, man, what's beyond that ice wall? What's, what's, what's really it deep, deep into, uh, the, you know, the arc, the Antarctic circle, the South Pole. And, uh, you know, listening to what Admiral, Admiral Byrd has to say. And who knows? He, he could have been, uh, controlled the whole time. Maybe they told him what to say in that, that TV interview that from the fifties that right. everyone's seen. Who knows if that's real or, or whatever. But, um, uh, now I'm like looking at the North Pole. I thought the North Pole was all figured out. I thought it really was. I thought a bunch of people just go to the North Pole. There must be like some kind of like big steel pole and you could take a picture by it and all that stuff. I, I thought it was all figured out. But when you look into it, it's not figured out. It's, it's, it's as mysterious as ever. According to what I'm saying, I could be totally wrong, but what I'm saying is, man, it's no one really knows. There's not like a, an actual point where the North Pole is. It's like, this massive um, icebergs and ice sheets that you need, like some kind of air force um, military operation and, with giant icebreakers to get through. And you look at all the, you know, there's, I seen this old documentary on uh, uh, this military base that they built um, on a island called Thule. And that's way up in the Arctic Circle, not the North Pole, but like in that area. Thule, like the Thule Society. Yes, they built a they built a military base there, and in the fifties called uh, it was called the Operation Bluebird, and then they built like this wall, this 
this line called the dew line, the dewy line or the dew line of all the way um, above Canada into the Arctic, Arctic Circle, like a line, like a wall. It's called the dew line. Um, I forget what it stands, the D-E-W. It's, it stands for something. But, um, it's, uh, you could look it up and the whole, and they had it, they built it like in, in, um, whoo, like I think in, in about a year. It's like this huge operation and it's supposed to be, um, this wall of radar to detect missiles because they're thinking they were trying to scare everybody that, that Russia and China could shoot missiles over the North Pole right. and it'll land on us. So they had to build this wall, this dew line to detect any missiles coming over. So, um, the North Pole is completely militarized. You can't get through that dew line no. anyways. So, and then you start looking at old mythology, like, like a Hindu text and, and even, um, like just all old religions and old cultures. They looked at the North Pole. They described what the North Pole is. There's a, a magnetic mountain called Mount Meru or right. Mount Semeru, a couple different names. And this magnetic mountain that's impossible to get to. And even now, you just can't, you just, there's too much ice. You need gigantic icebreakers to get through. Like, how are you going to get to the North Pole? Um, um, I'm sure there's probably videos out there of like fakery of people pretending they're in the North Pole. But, um, if you look at, if you look at in the fifties and sixties, how hard it was to, to, uh, um, get close, even close to the North Pole, you know, you, you needed a serious, uh, um, military operation just to get close to it. It's just so hard to get there. And, um, man, and, and, and according to ancient cultures, that's where that the North Pole is, is, uh, like I said, it's called Mount, Mar Mount Maru, a magnetic mountain. And it just, it's a paradise and there's no ice. There's no ice there. It's not that cold there. And that's where we all come from. And that's like Valhalla. It's like heaven. It's like the, the promised land. Eden. And it's, yeah, it's Eden. It's right there in the North Pole. There's this magnetic mountain that's impossible to get to. And then there's these four rivers flowing into it, into the North Pole flowing into it. And, you know, a lot of hollow earth theory has, is tied into that somehow right. too. The stories of the North Pole and how mysterious it is. And then, you know, one thing I always thought that was weird is why do Russians and stay in that cold ass country? Why don't they take over like, uh, you know, it's always like white people, like, you know, I'm not white or anything and I have not against white people or anything, but the white people do rule the world generally. And they're in Russia, they're Norway, Sweden, the UK, like Canada and North America. It's like, it's like this, the North Pole, if you look at it downward, whether you're looking at the flat earth map or just from a globe, you're looking down, you look right there at that center. You look at the, all the land masses around it. It's all white people. <laughs> well, they don't need they don't need the melanin to if the if the light is so scarce in that area of the world, they don't need melanin to to survive. And that's why we see the Nordics. And uh, you know, what could it be like the the Lord of the Ring that the main center is right there, and the command and control of this planet comes from there. And that's where the military doesn't allow you to move forward. And, you know, yeah. planes, commercial aircraft, you would think that they could cross over it to get to their destination faster, but they're not allowed yes. to go over it. No, no, exactly. And and then you look at, like, all, all the countries in, on the equator. 
It's all third world countries. You look at South America, you look at Africa. And below is even worse. Yeah, so it's like the closer you are to the North Pole, like it's that's where the white people are at. <laughs> it's like it's like deep down it's like that's they're it's they're trying to be they're they don't want to go too far from um the promised land, which could be I don't know, this is just me speculating. This is me just being just a just a, a, a conspiracy geek. But I am interested in the North Pole. I wanna know what is up there and who knows who knows maybe you could take a trip there and you but it just seems like based on all these these uh, military operation videos they're not even talking about Valhalla or Eden or anything. they're just talking about um building military bases as you know in that arctic circle not directly on the north pole they're never saying they're right on the north pole these in these films they're not about conspiracy there's their actual real government in films explaining Prod or Operation Bluebird, the military base that they built in Thule, which is right there or along the Arctic Circle, and the the Dew Line, the basically a border, or like a fence to protect us from missiles coming over the Arctic Circle. You know what I mean? So when you look at that, you're like nobody's going with all this military. Or who's going to the actual North Pole? Like right there, it would be so hard. You'd have to, how are you going to fly there and then and land where? There's so much ice, you know. I'm sure you've seen the Mercator projection versus the Gulpeters projection maps that one shows Africa really little, almost the size of the United States. And you see the real one. And the United States fits on Africa several times. And it makes you wonder why those countries in this, in the Southern Hemisphere are always poor. They're always portrayed as small yeah yeah it's, it's crazy there's there's something about that north pole and the one thing we know for sure maybe it's nothing maybe it's a sheet of ice and they go there it is it's a sheet of ice right there maybe that's a little ice cap it's right there under the ice that's the north pole maybe it's just that i don't know but the one thing the, the two things we know about it for sure are all compasses are pointing towards it because there's a magnetic force coming from no matter where you're at. It's pointing towards it. There's not pointing, it's not pointing to the south. It's pointing to the north. And the North Star, Polaris, fixed in the sky. The constellations going around it. We know that. We have proof of that. Just with that alone, that really, uh, uh, gets me fat, you know, really into finding out what's up with the North Pole. You're a musician. You've seen a yes. speaker. You know how it has the magnet right in the middle and around yeah. it has the, the south and north? Could that be what we have here on planet or plain earth? Yeah, I'm open to anything. I just, I mean, how would we ever find out? We would, even if, I mean, how much money would it take to take a plane and go directly over the North Pole where all that magnetism's coming from. Would we be able to fly over with, with all that magnetism that compasses are clearly pointing to from all over the world? They're going, there's some magnetic force in the North Pole. Uh, what, maybe, uh, a plane couldn't fly through that magnetism. Maybe it would just, it would be like some kind of like Bermuda Triangle type deal where you just crash or something. Let, let, 
let's jump to two other conspiracies. But I, people know, I've said this before, I have a, a relative high up in, in the airline industry, and I've asked that question. And what I'm told might be BS, that the the actual, the mechanism of the plane and the electronics would render themselves inoperable over that area of the world. I don't buy it, but that's what they say. But here's another conspiracy. And by the way, I don't like to use the, the term conspiracy theorist, because as you know, that comes from the JFK time. Parapolitical research researcher is what we should call ourselves. But pilots are not allowed to talk about it in the airline industry. Number one, I saw a UFO. And number two, chemtrails. They can't talk about it. Otherwise, they're fired. Really? I didn't know that. Yes. They can't talk about it. They see, you're going to tell me that you're, you're flying for a major, major airline and you see these planes flying above you or below you and you see them spraying all this stuff. You're not going to question it? Well, they're not allowed to question it. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a smart move. I would do that too. I would ban that. I would fire anybody who brought that up. <laughs> Make it nice and easy. I bet they can't bring up flat Earth either. Get fired. <laughs> no, that, that's that's for sure. That 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 takes you to the psychiatrist. But speaking of chemtrails, I know you discussed this. What's your take on chemtrails? Well, I'm not sure exactly what they're doing, but they're doing something. And whether it's uh, you know, some people take it real far and go, oh, they're spraying uh, mind control chemicals on us, or they're spraying like lithium or whatever. I mean. Anything's possible. I, I think for sure they're they're either doing weather control experiments, or they already know what they're doing with the weather control already, or at the very least, at the very least, they're spraying nothing until they need to spray something. And when they need to spray something, we'll never see it coming because we're so used to them. Oh, my goodness. You're just used to the lines, you know what I mean? Because I was watching this documentary on Guantanamo Bay, and, you know, that's the military installation yeah. in Cuba. So when, when Fidel Castro, uh, won, you know, when he took power, uh, the Americans never left Guantanamo Bay. They're like, try to kick us out. What are you going to do? So Fidel couldn't do anything. So on the island, there's this American military base guantanamo bay you're familiar with it right of course so i'm watching this documentary on it and they're interviewing um some military officer some and he's talking about how uh, every day they dive bomb on havana and just he, j like if they're going to attack them so just you know so like to get them used to it. and this this is what this guy said he's saying they dive bomb havana every day with bombers just so they get used to it so if they ever had to take them out they would never see it coming there would be no warning so for me i thought wow that's a brilliant tactic um sounds like uh you know the people that are uh you know high up in the military who come up with these tactics and strategies they're brilliant guys you know that's that's awesome that's a brilliant thing and uh it makes sense that you know you, you do you could do the same thing with spraying the, the, the clouds you know uh keep spray shit every day just have people spraying like something benign something nothing so if you tested it it'd be nothing and then people would just like forget about it but if for some reason we needed to calm people down or, you know, do something as extreme as exterminate people, if there was some kind of uprising or some kind of revolution, they would never see it coming. They would just send the planes and then no people would be uh, either dying, getting sick or, 
you know, becoming zombies or whatever, and they would never know what it was. I think, Eddie, you hit the nail in the head, in my opinion. I've been thinking about this all the time. I'm thinking, what could they be spraying every single day? I mean, people are not dropping like flies, but you see commercials from the 90s that are being changed and even movies that are being edited to add a chemtrail sky so that the new generation thinks this is the new normal sky. You remember growing up, you and I are yeah. the same age, more or less. We remember yeah. the blue skies. That sky is no yeah. longer around. These clouds are fake. So what if, as you said, tomorrow they need to pacify the population? Well, then just put something in their tanks. They spray it. Because a lot of people, they don't want to be vaccinated. There's a lot of push, you know, pushing. The people don't want to be vaccinated. This is a great way to deploy whatever it is that they want to do. 9-11, two days after 9-11, I remember this. A Canadian reporter interviewed Donald Rumsfeld and said, Mr. Secretary of Defense, what are you going to do if there's another attack to control the panic? And he said, I never saw that video again. He said, that's okay. We have aerosolized Prozac and Valium to be deployed if need be. And this is 2001. Imagine right now what they could do. Wow, you can't find that clip? Can't find that clip anywhere. It was a Canadian reporter, and I remember the words, aerosolized Valium and Prozac. And this is before I was into chemtrails. At that time, I believed that the government had nothing to do with 9-11. It wasn't until a relative of mine brought it to my attention I stopped talking to him for two months thinking, how dare you accuse our well-intentioned government of doing this? Then I did my own research, and this is, I am here today because of that. Oh, did, did 9-11 wake you up? Is Absolutely. That, was well, that your moment? Yes, that was, I knew about JFK and, you know, the fact that Lee R. Hill Oswald was not the lone gunman, but that's the extent of my, my stuff. I just never thought our government could do such a thing. And then we had Boys Town. Nebraska, you know, Franklin yes. scandal. And that was another blow to me. And I had to look into it. And I interviewed Nick Bryant, one of the, the reporters that, you know, they have tried to kill him so many times. And that's when it woke me up to the fact that every person or the majority of people in government, elected or unelected, they're either subverted or destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I'm seeing it right now, too. It seems like you know, have you heard the Kay Griggs uh, interview? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when she's not even like a – she's not – she – who knows if what she was saying is real or not, but it seemed pretty damn real. And uh, she was pretty much – she pretty much said everybody that's in power, pretty much everyone in an important, important position of power. <laughs> Kissinger? Been, you remember what she said been, about Kissinger? Yeah, he's a child molester. <laughs> He would rape people, kids in Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So it seems like, you know, she was saying that pretty much everybody in position of power has been bred as a child. They've, it's a, they've already gone through a whole generation where they just, and her husband, a, a Colonel George Griggs. Right. That's, you Allegedly. know, he, yeah, yeah. What have you looked into that? Is that is is is, is there a, was there a George Griggs? Are there people saying that she made that up and there is no George Griggs? I mean, because I I googled it and I found a George Griggs and um 
What did you look into it? I'm going to say it publicly. I had somebody, former military, who was one of our loyal listeners. We were in touch for years, and he was brokering a, a an interview with with Kay Griggs. And shortly after, he passed away. He interviewed Kay Griggs, and then he no he he, he knew her. He knew her, he and knew he her. was he was brokering an interview with Kay Griggs and us, and uh, it didn't pan out. He passed away afterwards. Wow. Is she still alive? I think she is. I think she is. Hmm. I mean, who knows? There's so much. I mean, you see Neil Armstrong. You see those astronauts coming, you know, the very first interview they gave the press. And you see them. And they look almost as if somebody killed their puppy or killed their parents right there. It's obvious that they're lying to us. Yeah. And yes. people just don't. I mean, if you and I went to the moon. Eddie, and we came back and we were interviewed. Gosh, you know, you would have to stop me from jumping up and down. Yes, exactly. It's obvious. I mean, the moon landings were about as fake as you can get. I mean, it's 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 not even a question. You know, if if you believe the moon landings were real, you need to seriously sit down and do some um, open-minded research. And once you figure out that we've been lied to about that, then man, then you know, and you got to question everything. I'm questioning everything. You know, it's like, it just seems like, uh, you know, like, uh, North Korea. Like, what's their story? And I saw this documentary about North Korea. It was about some journalist who was posing as an eye doctor assistant trying to, you know, cause of Korea, North Korea, they allow these Chinese eye doctors to come in like once a year to, f to fix everyone's cataracts. And this one journalist, the documentary is that she stuck in as an assistant and then she got a lot of footage on the inside and stuff. And the documentary is definitely anti North Korea, but it starts off like, Hey, back in the Korean war, um, the U S made 18 Korean cities, North Korean cities disappear. You know, and as soon as I heard that, I thought, wait a minute, 18 cities vanished because of, carpet bombing and fire bombing from the US. We we made 18 of their cities disappear. No wonder they fucking hate us. No wonder they hate the world. Like right there, I just thought, man, can you imagine if there was a country, let's just say let's just say uh France. We were at war with France and they made 18 cities disappear in the 50s. They made 18 US cities disappear in the 50s. Every single person in the United States would have tremendous hate for France. Nobody would ever be allowed to say anything positive about France. And, and I, me as well, I would be right there with it. France made 18 cities disappear. Of course we would hate them. So like I maybe, you know, for sure I'm thinking, uh, kill Jim Kwong. I can never say his name. I'm sure he's like a, like a psychopath. I'm sure, but I'm sure there's more to the story than what we're being fed everything we're being fed about north korea i i've 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 been tricked enough uh -huh. i'm sure there's some stuff i'm sure there's there's another side to the story and the truth is somewhere in the middle i think know? we keep king john un or whatever his name is these days we just keep him because we need an adversary and yeah. you know you're bringing me to vietnam now you probably know this you remember ross perot Yes. You remember what? You know why he ran for president? He was the billionaire guy. He was like 
He was independent, billionaire, and he was going to uh, basically. Well, he made George Bush lose. Remember? Yeah. And what year he made George? 1992. George, and that's when Bill Clinton won, right? That's when Bill Clinton won. But you know why he ran? It's not because he wanted to be president. He wanted George Bush to lose. And you know why? You're going to love this. Why? I interviewed a former congressman who gave me proof that today, even today, or back when he was a congressman in the, in the early, uh, late 90s, there are still prisoners of war in Cambodia. Vietnam and Laos, and they have satellite imagery with their escape and eviction codes showing it to, you know, whatever. If you, if you don't believe in satellites, that's fine. But at least we have some balloons or something crossing over because he showed me the pictures. So he went to Senator John McCain. McCain didn't do anything. Well, Ross Perot found out and he wanted to go to the White House to, to, uh, to talk to President Reagan, telling him, hey, why are we not bringing our, our, our sons back home? They're still there. So he was met by George Bush, vice president. He said, you're not going to talk to President Reagan, and don't ever come back here. Nobody is going to bring them back. Shut up and don't talk about it. He was so furious that he said, I'm going to run for president. I'm going to solve this myself. Well, you know the rest of the story. So McCain... Being the prisoner of war, quote-unquote, should be the one thinking, these are my brothers. They were there with me. Well, instead of doing that, what did we do? We went to Vietnam. We told them, shut up about that. Don't tell the world that you have those people, and we're going to give you a favorite nation. We're going to have a great trade agreement, and look, at their buddies now with us. What do you say about that? Now, what would be... What would be the reason that, uh, you know, people like George Bush would want to key and not rescue the POWs? What would be the benefit in that? So here's the concise version as to why they kept our POWs over there. Thanks for listening to part one of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest, head on over to the member section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. You don't want to miss the rest. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store where you can find great products like pure organic sulfur, rebounders, turmeric, and other great supplements. Thank you.